Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, everybody. Scott Luton here with you on Supply Chain Now. Welcome back to today's show. Folks, we have an excellent conversation teed up here today, talking with one of our favorite friends of the show as we continue our reverse logistics leadership here. Now, with that said, uh, I want to introduce our featured guest. It's been a little while since we really dove into our guest background. So I got to refresh your memory, maybe. Uh, our guest brings, you know, we typically don't go over two decades worth of experience, but I want to give our guests his full due. He brings 35 plus years of experience in the consumer products industry to the table, including 15 years of managing returns at Phillips. Now, in 2016, Tony assumed the leadership mantle at the Reverse Logistics Association, which has been serving the global industry since 2002. Our featured guest has truly become an evangelist for improving customer experience so that we can reduce returns. And he's also become the voice for the returns and reverse logistics industry along the way. Join me in welcoming Tony Sharota, Executive Director with the Reverse Logistics Association. Tony, how you doing? Hello, Scott. I am humbled by that introduction. Thank you so much. It uh, makes me feel old and makes me feel young at the same time, you know, because uh, if you can if you can keep the passion going in life, it keeps you going. It doesn't matter what the years are. That is right. Man, already dropping the knowledge on us here at Supply Chain Now, Tony. Um, all right. So let's continue that. Let's have a little more fun before we get into the heavy lifting. Uh, appreciate all that you do. And hey, it's good to feel uh, I kind of share that. It's good to feel old and young at the same time. It's better than feeling old, only old, right? That's, That's right. Where I sit. <laughs> That's my, right. And my kids remind me just how old I am every <laughs> week. Um, so let's talk music. That's one of the things that you absolutely love. You're a big music fan. Some folks may not know that about Tony Sharota. So uh, what is your, what are you really excited about the return of? Well, the return of live music is phenomenal. Um, and here in Georgia, in spite of the lax rules about whether to wear a mask, whether to be vaccinated, in spite of that, we've had some incredible events going on at our Tabernacle, the Variety Playhouse. And, and I'm very proud of the fact that they do all require vaccinations and they do require masks. Now, not everyone's perfect about keeping the mask on when you're in a music auditorium and you're drinking, it's a little tricky, a little <laughs> more fun, but at least they check the vaccination cards at the door at the variety. And so I'm, I'm, it's a, it's a double edge. Of course, I'm, I'm happy for that. And so yes, live music is back, Scott, and uh, maybe even outdoors this year. Right. That's right. Oh, that's right, man. And music, uh, we all need to take time to laugh during these challenging times, but also to listen to good music and it's yes. great live music. So one of, one of the best things. Um, now let's dive a little deeper in Tony Sharota's love for, for the world of music. If you had to think of some groups that you, that you have grown to just love over the course of your journey, or equally as important, some big events or music fests, what would those be? Well, Scott, I am. Um... So first, uh, I've been lucky enough to, uh, I, I go way back. I, I was there in Detroit when uh, Pink Floyd blew up the stage wow. uh, by accident and um, <laughs> probably took out part of my hearing that back then. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's been a long, long time of, of great, but I have to say my consistent passion for the last 22 years, 23 years now has been to be able to go to New Orleans for the Jazz and Heritage Music Festival, which is the best in the world bar none. You got up to 10 days of live music on stages, 10 stages in this uh, racetrack uh, fairgrounds, uh, 10 stages. So everything from Bruce Springsteen and, uh, and, and, and other great Eric Clapton, I mean, just all the greats down to the uh, blues tent, the jazz tent, the gospel tent, um, the Cajun stage and, uh, you know, even Snoop Dogg and Ludacris show up there. It. So it's the most amazing music festival on the planet. And um, I've been introduced to groups there. 
it's great to love music. It's also great to feel energized by the music. And and certainly the Mavericks, who were just here, Scott, last November at the Variety Playhouse, the Mavericks make you want to get up and dance. They just do. You know, they're just that much fun. And any kind of a group that's like that is is amazing. And uh, Scott, you know, we have this other little venue called Eddie's Attic. Right. Just went here in there. Metro Atlanta, right? Here in Metro Atlanta, yep. correct. Uh, Eddie's Attic is fabulous. Went there last week and saw Chuck Prophet, who's an amazing storyteller and songwriter. So it's even more fun when you have these uh, performers who love to give stories. They may have been in a big band, but they choose that small venue so they can connect with the audience and tell stories. And I, I, I can relate to that so much. You just you want to feel a connection with your audience. Um, how did the one guy put it? He said, uh, it's great to be in a dark venue and hear 300 anonymous people clapping for you and things like that. You know, it's just like, <laughs> I, I can understand that energy uh, a lot, Scott. I really Agreed. do. So I'm with you. You paint it. You paint a, a wonderful, warm picture. Um, we should also, I'd love to dive deeper into your Pink Floyd in Detroit experiences. I bet you've got some <laughs> great stories, but I won't put you on the spot. Uh, I should add too. You know, uh, friends of the show here, Will Haraway and the Sundogs, which they were playing down at the 30A, uh, I think that's what they call it, the 30A Singer and Songwriter, um, which is also a yearly music fest down there in one of the beaches in Florida. And they just released a new album, uh, Embroidered Rose, I think it's the name of it. So listeners, check it out. Will Haraway is a great friend of the show. The Sundogs play great music. Um, one other thing you mentioned, uh bruce springsteen is it going to be bruce or is he going to be with the e street band any idea there tony um bruce i don't know if he's going to be there this year but uh they did announce the who okay is going to be there and the foo fighters and some amazing wow. big groups but bruce springsteen you have to be proud of someone who's as passionate as he is about everything in the world and he showed up at jazz fest the year after katrina wow put out an amazing show, which is available on line somewhere, lots of places. Um, but you know, he and, uh, Paul Simon and so many others went there to help rebuild new Orleans and they've done a pretty good job of it. That is awesome. Okay. Uh, we could talk for hours and think about music. <laughs> yes, we'll have, to, we we'll have to stop it there. Cause I want to get into, uh, some of your recent travels and of course, all things returns and reverse logistics. You just got back. You, you've been on a whirlwind with the conference coming up, which we'll touch on here towards the end of today's conversation. You've been on a whirlwind of uh, travel and work and conversations and interviews. You just got back, Tony, I believe, from the big show up in New York City, right? Put on yep. our friends, uh, put on by our friends over at the Not, uh, National Retail Federation. Right. So you've got maybe a few key takeaways from all your conversations. And I think you were part of the programming this year. So what, I was. what sticks between your ears when you think about things, messages, topics that, that uh, you picked up or spoke about it at the big show? Well, you know, the challenge is uh, we're on a roller coaster in, in this country with the COVID because not enough of us are vaccinated and wearing masks to make everyone else get safer and, and feel safer. But New York, of course, leads um, in terms of trying to be strong about what they do. So the National Retail Federation with this outburst, the last variant we had was really questionable what would happen. And, and honestly, um, the show was, uh, was downturned a lot, mm. um, probably uh, uh, less than 10,000 people for a 40,000 typical event. And that happened with CES a couple of weeks ago as well. But still, some 10,000 people showed up, many exhibitors. It was a little different uh, experience because you walked down the aisles and uh, you could get a cappuccino immediately at any booth because really? there weren't long lines. No waiting. So, so no waiting. Um, got my cappuccino fixes on Sunday morning. And um, and there were some missing major players, of course, and things like that. But, uh, you know, we hope to all get back to those good adventures. And it's it's more of a challenge, of course, for a major event with, where 50, 100,000 people used to show up to downsize, right? That's right. a challenge. How do you fill the hall? How do you, you know, make it valuable for the people who are there? And um, And so I walked around the show, but let's talk about that part of the program that they invited us to do. Uh, uh, Scott Case there. He's the vice president of sustainability. Oh, Scott John, Case. Scott yes. Case. Okay, gotcha. Scott, Scott Case, um, vice president of sustainability, was doing part of the program. 
John Gold, who's vice president of their supply chain side that you must, of course, know well. He is um, a good, I tell you, he, um, if you ever want to talk, have a conversation with someone who's got their finger on the pulse, right, of, of retail supply chain and kind of retail industry, John Gold is your guy. And Tony, as you may know, he is one of the world's biggest Miami Dolphins fans, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> so anyway, Tony, please, you're talking about the big show. Sorry. Well, that's that's okay. We need to, you know, include all these important tidbits of uh, the people that we know, and um, and so uh, you know, and here's an example where my panel, which was supposed to be discussing reverse logistics end-to-end solutions, started out with um, three panelists. We lost two, mm. um, but more important, we had Becca Mines, vice president of end-to-end reverse logistics at Best Buy. You could not ask for a better industry thought leader than Becca, who, by the way, stepped into this role just a couple of years ago, right when the pandemic was starting um, and right when she was about to have a baby Wow! <laughs> and, and has emerged as such an important thinker and, and illustrating how, how strong Best Buy is in this space and how they accidentally became stronger in this space. Right. So we'll talk about that for a moment if we could, Scott, because I am so proud of them, not just as a member of the RLA. That's nice. But what they do, what they've done is they're led by Corey Berry uh, and she leads the organization. She's one of those people that came from the from the ranks on up and has committed Best Buy to be a major force in a circular economy, major force. And a major force in returns reduction. You know, Scott, we talk a lot about reverse logistics and people forget we're we're talking about more than just moving boxes. Right. We're talking about what can you do to reduce returns? Not many people talk about that. And then, and honestly, we don't get to talk about it as much because we focus on the logistics part. But well, it, that the, the the logistics part is such a massive feat to get that right. There's yeah, uh, to your point. There's a whole different and even bigger, maybe perhaps conversation when you get to the root cause, you move upstream yes. so that we can, we can bring, we can lessen that big massive movement challenge, right? Absolutely. And what Becca talked about and what she recognizes is presentation to the customer is first and foremost critical. You want to make sure they know what they're getting. They're getting what they want and what they need. And if it doesn't do exactly what they thought it would do, there's the Geek Squad desk, right? right. So when you go back and you, you, you know, you're having problems, because honestly, Scott, the whole world needs to remember, people don't generally go to buy something online or in a store just to take it back. Right. <laughs> That's not what's in the minds of most people. They want something they think they need, and they buy it, and they want it to work. And um that holy grail, Scott, we've talked about in the past where at Philips and Sony and these other companies, they say the stuff that's coming back is not defective. It's not technically defective. So that's like the holy grail. Right. The holy grail of stopping returns is how do you get people to stop bringing things back if there's nothing wrong with it? Right. Yeah. And to, to use a ahead. quick analogy, if I can, to, to uh, someone that maybe hasn't heard some, some you speak earlier or Becca uh, or any of our conversations here. It's like uh, you're you're trying to fix a a, a massive plumbing leak, right? Of yeah. course, you've got to kind of get the water out. That's that's the um, that's part of the problem. But if you stay right there, you have an endless problem that you'll never solve. What you're right. talking about <laughs> is getting to finding that leak Root and cause. addressing it there, which yeah. will bring down <laughs> all the other work we've got to do. So I, I love I love your focus on that root calls. Let's get, let's take care of the customer. Let's better educate them. Let's give them the right options, um, you know, and really embrace circularity. And how can we, it sounds like in my, what I'm hearing you say, Best Buy is committed to becoming a much better um, disciple or advocate for all things circularity. Is that, is that accurate, Tony? I'd say it. I, yes, you can absolutely say it that way, Scott. They are committed, and and many of their people are very passionate about this. Uh, and Becca is one of them. Uh, you know, the stories she told about the things that they do. Simple example, Scott. They will help you recycle your old appliances and electronics. Really? Right? That's huge. Even if you didn't buy it from them, 
they will help you get rid of that stuff. And, um, and that, that's a pretty big step for a retailer because when we talk about the cost of reverse logistics and how enormous they are, most of those costs are passed back to the manufacturer. Mm. You made the stuff, we got it back as defective, you need to take care of it, right? But in, in, so in the retail space, for the retailer to assume some of the responsibility, um, that's commitment. And that's commitment. But again, the focus on that conversation was about the fact that they've expanded their reach. Uh, about two years ago when the pandemic began, they were already, the Geek Squad was keeping stuff, repairing it, and offering it for resale as a value. Right. In, and inside the, the uh, inside the stores at Best Buy, right? For the most inside part? the stores. And now they had included some stores, a small area where those uh, pre-loved, as we call them, gently used products have been put back into the opportunity for someone to buy. And uh, they even offer them online. And so what happened, as you, as we all know, in the last two years is inventory started to run short on new goods. So they had this entire market of products, returned goods that they had refurbished themselves to make available for sale. Hmm. So when computers and printers were in very short supply, they had an extra supply in this secondary product, uh, refurbished product that they were offering warranty on. So they were able to not only um, stay solid, but to grow their business because people were looking for values. Mm -hmm. And now instead of looking on Craigslist or eBay and, and places like that for those questionable return goods, refurbished goods, uh, here is Best Buy selling these products with their full strength of their geek squad and their company behind it. So they they blossomed uh, as an expanded retailer. And that's all part of being circular, right? Scott, take the old stuff back and and have life after death, right? <laughs> now you you know, we're both laughing as you say that, but there's there's so much truth there. Um yeah. as as I think when you and a friend, we interviewed uh, Howard Rosenberg, right? Yes. B stock not too long ago. And I think I already had purchased that old Nintendo Wii that or that yes. pre-loved as you put it, Nintendo yep. Wii, we've gotten already in, in the handful of weeks we've had it, we've gotten hours and hours of enjoyment and they stopped making that, I think in 08. And that's just a small example of the wealth of the, uh, what they call the, uh, the, the reuse, reuse market. Is that a is secondary that? marketplace? Secondary marketplace. Thank you, Tony. Yep. Um, so let's speak more. So um, I'm so glad you know, a lot of panels, when they lose yeah. a couple of panelists at the last minute, they might would cancel the chat. I love that you and Becca shared all of what you all know and, and this new, this not newfound, but maybe new, new package, newly structured uh, uh, corporate priority to uh, embrace circularity more at Best Buy. That's, one, that's a wonderful story. I, I was uh, very impressed by what they do. And, and what more so than, and of course, I did walk around the show and we can touch base on that too. But, um, the, the audience, 150 people or more, uh, got that insight of, of what they've done and how they've done it. And so I uh, have to be really proud of that. I have to say, Scott, I'm looking forward to us being in Vegas with you on stage. That's right. Uh, I got to find some of those super bright lights and, and just blind you <laughs> on stage because it's really a challenge with those bright lights aimed in your eyes to talk to the audience. You know, it's uh, right. it's, it's quite a challenge, but, well, but we got up to that. the challenge though. Tony Sharota yeah. certainly yeah. is. And Becca, uh, Becca Mines is her last yes. name, right? Yes. Uh, which we enjoyed y'all's chat here. Um, so one more question before you, you, any other take big takeaways, what was your favorite, you know, cause I imagine at some point of that discussion that you took a question or a comment from the audience there, anything come to mind, any of your favorite exchanges come to mind? Um, we actually, uh, in deference to these major corporations who have to be careful about ah. what is said in public, uh, Beck and I had taken questions and worked through them earlier, cleared them with legal PR, you, and and I, and I understand that, and I believe in protecting my my members, my right. my my retailers, my manufacturers. We don't want to surprise from the audience a loaded question, but but the exchange that um, Beck and I had uh, was about what what are the challenges for this year? What do you see coming down the road that will help and. Um, and, and they're so committed to this idea 
of when you take something in for service, and let's say it's a laptop computer that you can't figure out. So you're going to have an option now. You'll be talking to service, and they're going to say, okay, we can fix this for you, but it's X dollars right versus over here we have some refurbished ones you can get for y dollars right and that opportunity allows that customer a choice it's like you know what that thing's only a year old i want it upgraded i want it back or it's 10 years old let me switch it for this one here thank you very much for that i i think that's an amazing path to go down for business opportunities and for taking care of the customer which is ultimately what it's about right i love it choices are good Choices yeah. are still good. All yes. right. So what else? I want to move into next um, in, in a minute here. You know, kind of a top three list of things that you really need to be on your radar when it comes to the reverse logistics and returns and management space. Anything else stick out from NRF that you want to share with us? Well, as I walked around the floor and as I mentioned about loading up on cappuccinos in those yet yeah, little baby cups, so <laughs> right. it takes a, a few extras to get in to get it going. Um <laughs> You know, it's, it's interesting that they have a uh, a section for newest technology. So you walk, you got to walk around that and see what what do people have for trends coming in the future. Um, they had a supply chain area, a uh, couple of other areas, and and I feel like not all companies are sure where they need to be at that show. But if you walk around enough, you start to see things like uh, the real drive for the 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 software. Uh, to to manage everything. It's just unbelievable amounts of software out there, uh, different opportunities, uh, SAP combining with Dematic and with DHL. And, you know, there's a lot of interesting combinations now. But the takeaways that I, I, I will point to, uh, one is uh, digital signage, smaller digital signage that can be put on shelves and, and change messages, hmm. change pricing change the uh, the messaging in the sense of um, buy this now because it's a deal or or buy this because it will help make your life easier because of this so so digital signage is appearing from several companies um, analytics uh, Scott that genie has been out of the bottle a long time hasn't it you know people right. worry about privacy don't understand that every time you buy something or return something, they are tracking you to death and, and deciding your customer profile. And so there's that kind of analytics, uh, very popular. Scott, you know, I call it smoke and mirrors. Right. <laughs> it's, it's like, okay, but at the end of the day, how do we touch stuff and make stuff happen? That To me, it's all about being practitioners and not just talking about the smoke and mirror numbers. But here's got to lead that, to action. It's got to lead to action. So right. the the other one though that was interesting is there's now these software companies providing analytics connected to cameras in the store watching people. So they are watching you. They build a profile of you. They see what stations do you stop at. What do you pick up and touch? Uh, what do you put back? What do you put in a cart? I mean, they're they're. They're tracking us. Wow. Scott. Are we going to have they're, to sign off on releases when we make a quick run to the grocery store next year? They're maybe? watching us. They're watching us, Scott. Now, I'm, I'm not going to suggest that they are personally invading our own private space, right. but they're watching the reactions of maybe hundreds of people going past this display. Is it working? Is it catching their attention? Um, now, on the positive side, I would like to think that the more that they can promote products effectively, the less returns are going to happen. So I'm, I'm going to be positive about this scary prospect that the cameras are watching us, okay? Right. Uh, I'm going to hope that it turns into, as you said, actions to make the product better, easier to use, uh, provide people with something that they, that they, can, that they need, Right. right. So, um, so those were a couple of the trends. So that digital signage, the analytics with the cameras, uh, the smoke and mirror softwares that are all over the place, um, just unbelievable. And and of course, the National Retail Federation is appealing to the retailers right. to do this stuff in their stores so they can sell more stuff. There's a part of me that has a little bit of a reaction to that. Yeah, selling more stuff is good. It's all about capitalism. But at the end of the day. It also needs to be about selling the right stuff that people need. Excellent point. 
excellent point because that stuff's got to be yeah it, it, it's got to go somewhere uh and it comes back <laughs> it comes back which we're headed to next yeah uh, one one quick comment that digital signage is such a, a fascinating uh thought uh and visual you know it wasn't too long ago uh in fact i worked in, in winn dixie grocery stores that was my first ever job mm-hmm. we've talked about this and at the time we were still i still remember folks in the um uh like the medical aisle and like uh, there was a name for that kind of stuff. Anyway, pharmaceuticals, <clears throat> something like that, you know, where you'd get um, deodorant and band-aids, that kind of stuff. Anyway, they still had the old sticker, sticker tape gun, oh my God. right? Remember those things? <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. And now look how far we've come to now. Uh, maybe even without any human interaction based on data analytics and the market and this, that, and the other, the prices will just update themselves. It is, it's remarkable times we live in. Um, all right. Yes. So Tony, let's shift gears. We're going to talk about two big things before we wrap up with you here today. Um, we're going to talk about kind of what's your top three list when it, when it comes to the reverse and you've already shared a lot, but beyond that, what are three things maybe folks should keep their finger on the pulse of when it comes to returns management and reverse logistics and the big show or, or the RLA version of the big show, right? The 18th annual RLA conference and expo coming up here just around the corner in February. But before we get there, your top three list, what are three things folks need to have on the radar when it comes to returns management and reverse logistics? So definitely we are seeing a trend towards, uh, let's call it sizing software in general. Uh, we have uh, some members now in the RLA. They'll be with us in Las Vegas. So I'll give a plug to my size ID and a couple of other companies that are all about you enter your own measurements into your own personal database vault with them. And when you order clothing from different companies, it tells you this size will work from this company or because you've bought other things from this other company that's this size, you're going to need this size from this company. Wow. Right? So, you know, an example would be uh, Skechers shoes versus Johnston & Murphy shoes, right? So a size 10 Skecher might need to be a size 10 and a half or 11 Johnston & Murphy, hmm. right? Because unfortunately, Scott, we know the world of bracketing is, exists because there are no standard sizes like there should be. Well, just so really quick for the three or four folks that may not be familiar with bracketing, Tony, that's where a customer may order, in this case, a size nine and a half shoe, a 10 and a 10 and a half, and right. they keep the one they like and they send the other two back, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Bracketing is the nightmare for e-commerce in any category where size matters. <laughs> I think I stole that line. I think I've seen that on a few billboards, right? <laughs> um, where size matters, people are very, very cautious about it unless they bought something from that company before. So sizing software is important. It's important enough that Walmart made the purchase of a very large sizing software company themselves because they recognize, number one, um, it adds value to the customer experience. Okay. And, and Walmart and Target, any retailer's goal is to make the customer experience better. So I'm right. super in favor of that idea. But number two, the side benefit is if you get the customer to buy the right size, the right fit, they're less likely to return it. Right. So it's a win-win as far as I'm concerned. Sizing software, it's come a long way from when they ask you to take a picture of yourself in front of a green screen naked. (laughs) (laughs) There there was software out there, Scott, that kind of went in that direction, and I thought they were kidding. I I don't think they're around anymore, but (laughs) yes, imagine that one. So. So software <laughs> sizing is is kind of a, a, a big deal, and we're glad to see it happen. Because uh, that that goes after, again, that goes beyond just the reverse logistics side. It goes to lessening those returns, right? Lessening the probability that folks are going to buy the wrong size or color yeah. based on differences from, from manufacturer to manufacturer. Love that. MySize.com. You said, is that the? My size ID. Okay. My yeah. size ID. Okay. Yep. What's actually... So- it's an Israeli company, Scott. It's not even an American company. So it's, this is a global issue. And it tell, that tells you that, um, you know, Israel is even working on this kind of stuff too, right? Yeah, so lots, lots of innovation uh, come out yeah. of Middle East, uh, Israel and uh, Dubai and um, uh, Saudi, you name it, uh, UAE. Yep. What, um, so that was the first one. 
What yeah. else, if you if you to round out your top three list items two and three, what would those be? I think um, we have to recognize uh, the recycling and the importance of recycling uh, from a sustainable um, circular approach. Uh, we we talk about life after death, and and that's where it really plays. Um, I was very lucky to tour some facilities in Nashville, Tennessee recently run by uh, one of our board companies, Sims, one of the big ones. And they had three facilities up there that actually, you know, one facility shreds the heck out of all kinds of stuff and Mm -hmm. isolates raw materials out of it. You know, giant magnets that take out all of the metals. Uh, The rest of it goes in a different direction. I mean, it was really cool to see. I forgot the name of the machine, Big Bertha or something like that. (laughs) Just a humongous. We had to put on the headphones so we could listen. We could talk or hear each other. It's just like unbelievable sound of of things being crushed down to raw materials. And that's exciting. And then, um, you know, the the, uh, uh, inkjet plant where they try to recover all of those cartridges that we all send back with ink in them and they try to turn it into something else is also very cool um cool and slightly creepy but we were warned as we were turning the corner we were said don't be shocked this isn't what you think it is and it was a gaylord full of plastic molded teeth that you know it could have felt like the holocaust museum visit for a moment but it was clearly reprocessed plastic that's being used to help people, dentists do teeth molds uh, for those of us who, you know, at some point lose their teeth. So very creative stuff. Um, So that's, that's another version of recycling. And then the other version of of, of facility there is taking back massive servers. Uh, This is something that companies like Cisco and these other ones do. They wipe them clean, they upgrade them and they make them available to companies that aren't Facebook <laughs> or, or Google, right? So those of us who are smaller planetary uh, entities, we could use one or two servers and we don't want to spend $100,000 on now Cisco and these other companies make redeployment, it's called redeployment. So that that's very cool in that whole recycle space. The creativity that's there, Scott, is is amazing. And it's really an impact to supply chain because you don't have to always look for new stuff. You can use what's been used and use it again. So I think we're going to see a lot of activity in the recycle space uh, related to returns. And uh, there's been some, but to your point, Scott, companies are out there recognizing, well, we're going to say we're sustainable. We're going to say we've got ESG focused on this and et cetera, et cetera. We better, you know, walk the walk as well as talk the talk. And they're right. starting to to do that. So proud to see the companies in reverse logistics focused on that. Outstanding. Um, so that's it, number two. Yep. I guess number three, I, I, and, and, and let me, let me couch this for you because sure. it's tough to pick three and say, okay, these are the top three. There's so much going on. And so to be fair, I was asking Tony for three of the top things because as, right. as the voice here, he, I bet you've got a thousand different things on any day of the week going through your head. And, and there's because there's so much going on in the return in, in, in supply chain in general, but also in the returns and reverse space. So three of the top. So what's that number three? I think we if we went back to some of the broadcasts we've done together in the reverse logistics space, we probably hear the term that I use. There's no one silver bullet right. to put in your gun. OK, right. there's the werewolf of returns. And you need more than one silver bullet. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, so let's talk about another silver bullet, which is AI. Um, you know, on stage at the NRF, Beck and I, we were talking about the nightmare of opening up a returns trailer, seeing 26 pallets of stuff. I had a little visual aid for that one on the screen. 26 pallets of stuff, all onesies, right? And and you're counting on these warehouse workers to pull this stuff out of the truck, open up a pallet, which is usually shrink wrap, and touch each and every single product and figure out what do we do with this? Right. <laughs> that's, that's the nightmare. What do we do with it? 
um, it's impossible to do a great inspection on every single piece. Just mm. impossible. This is where forward and reverse just go in completely opposite directions. Those onesies, I mean, you could unload a trailer, 26 pallets, couple thousand units of products, and you wouldn't have two of the same product. And people don't understand the, the, the complexity in that, right? It's just massive complexity. So... Well, really AI quick, if I can, yeah. really quick, because the first thing that comes to my mind is when you've got all these different products, all these onesies you're talking about, Yeah. Um, you know, one facility is not going to know how to perhaps disposition a million different things. Right. So what immediately comes to my mind is as you, they begin to unwrap and process it, that may require more movement to get into the hands of the experts that know how to get it back on the shelves or right. or more sustainably dispositioned it can right. if you're not careful that's why we gotta have to, we gotta have the role of pros doing this it can create um uh what's the way there there's a term rework basically re, remove re, re, movement we'll call it um it's the gift that unfortunately keeps on giving tony to some degree <laughs> yes. right yes it does so um so to your point scott do you have experts on the front line touching every piece? Again, it could be a thousand items. It might be one air fryer, one Game Boy machine, and a dozen uh, you know, liquid soap dispensers, things like that. So you don't want your talent at the front line necessarily, but here's the secret with AI. You can have your AI set up to make a disposition decision mm. on every UPC, and that's it. That's where it has to happen. Decision-making. Now, you have to count on people coding this the right way. They have to understand, yeah, liquid soap may go to landfill or to one liquidation, but the Game Boy, the robot or vacuum, uh, the air fryer will go a different way. So it's really about AI helping make decisions of what is the best use of this product. And by using AI... You can improve your recovery because the decision-making isn't in that person who's touching it. The decision-making is in the system that says, well, this air fryer sells for $200 new. Um, we've got it as a return. We got to put a little money into it to package it, but the value comes out. Yeah, let's put this in the right pile to be returned to a secondary market to resell. Mm. So it's really about AI software. And again, we've got some members in the RLA who are great at this. They've got that software. This is where I don't mind smoke and mirrors. I, I don't think of it as smoke and mirrors. It's a decision tree that is not one person. And if you've got 50 people on the line and they all look at the same 50 items, you're going to get half throw it away and half put it into stock. Right. It's just... Right. That's that's what it's got to be about because returns are so complex. Right. It's practical artificial it's, intelligence. It's practical. There's a lot of AI out there and not to paint with a broad brush, but there's a reason why, you know, there's a lot of AI memes out there because it's right. being applied far and wide. <laughs> you know, if AI falls in the in if, what's that old joke? If AI falls or or codes in the woods, does anyone ever hear it fall or code? I don't know. There, there's a dad joke there. But anyway. Um, I love it, and, and I also like the potential of this of real powerful and again practical, actual artificial intelligence. It's still a, a Gregism, a Greg Whiteism, AI, uh, different acronym of how that can it can also. What I'm hearing you say, it can also um, limit wasted miles and wasted movement. And if you look at the however many wastes we're counting these days, um, you know, eleven, twelve depends on who you talk to. That's one of the the biggest, you know, we hear the phrase empty miles a lot when, when yes. trucks are moving pallet, you know, with empty pallets, empty uh, boxes, you name it. Uh, if we can limit wasted and inaccurate miles, yes. uh, that helps too. All right. Helps all of us. Right. So the three things, again, if we had at the top, uh, one was right sizing, right? Yes. The second, uh, third was like real powerful AI. What was that second one again, Tony? The the three ch uh, channels of recycling that we talked about: the um, uh, uh, shredding and and creating raw materials. Yes. The remanufacturing it into something else, and then the um, the redeployment. Um, That's right. Re so recycling is now, and some people think of recycling as a bad term. It's like it implies that this is junk. Um, but we want to get people to understand recycling 
in the supply chain is all about returning it back to some form of use. Right. Um, and, and, and get creative. It doesn't all just have to be raw materials. It can be other types of uh, reuse as well. In fact, I heard the compliment at the ribbon cutting of this one facility. Uh, the comment was made uh, that this, this company, our board member says, the highest form of recycling is reuse. Mm. So that, that's important to keep in mind. It's not just to make raw materials. It's to make something that can be reused. So that's really cool about recycling. I love it. I love it. So long, long, li- <laughs> long live the Nintendo Wii family bowl of thons. <laughs> that's what we're doing around here. That's right. right. So that's, um, right. that's good. So let's talk about the 18th annual, quite a track record here, annual reverse logistics association conference and expo coming up at the Mirage. Yes. in las vegas february 6th through the 9th um so uh we were there together uh, a couple of years ago i think 2019 yep. 2020 2020 was it okay yes they had a wonderful time uh first class programming content networking we saw you were kind enough to include us on um what's the beatles the famous beatles show cirque du soleil the beatles love show oh it's so cool it's so cool yeah. i had a great time look forward to being back we'll be um recording interviews and and some live stuff there from the, the what what we call the heart of the returns and reverse logistics universe uh every year right there in vegas what are you looking more amongst your long list of things you look forward to what are some of the things you're looking forward to at the next conference and expo well again it's probably a long list but the top of the list would be the opportunity to sit with my board again uh, they're on our website, rla.org. The 12 board members are 12 global companies, 12 passionate, committed people from retailing, manufacturing, and providers. So a chance to talk to them about, hey, where are we going next kind of a thing, right? Yep. We. Um, the other is I get to stand in front of the audience, um, Scott, and announce that we will have broken 200 paid company members for the first time ever in 20 years. Uh, we've got another 3,000 companies in the in the system, but 200 paying members is phenomenal. Um, we expanded the hall, and Scott, you remember, it was kind of a crowded place last yeah. two years ago. We yeah. had you at the back of one. Well, now we've expanded it. We've doubled the size and not doubled the booth so that people will have safe distancing possible. Um, but I'm really proud, Scott, and I hope you get to hear. I hope you get to escape your tiny little <laughs> 10 by 20 space uh, occasionally to catch um, uh, our keynotes. Um, Steve Koenig, uh, Vice President of Research for the Consumer Technology Association, better known as the people who do CES. He always comes on stage, and, and, and Steve and I have been friends for a long time. And Steve gives you the perspective of not only this is the new cool stuff coming out, but he tells people in the audience, you know, this is something new and cool, but you might see a lot of these coming back. <laughs> Steve always adds just a little bit of, uh, of reviewing the products um, when he's reviewing the new ones. And I, and I appreciate that so much. Um, so we have two great keynotes. Uh, we have several panels uh, of presentation. We have a full hall. Um, and uh, I, I'd say it, it is about, you already said it, Scott. My, my focus is this is a member association. Mm. This is not a paid political announcement stage, okay? I don't like advertising from the stage. Mm. I abhor it. And I've only had to yell at two people over <laughs> my five, six years and say, don't come back and ever do that again. But it's really, it, it's important to talk about the industry, what are the best practices? What are the industry thought leaders saying we can do, we should do to reduce returns, to improve what we do with returns? That's what people are there to learn about. And um, and then we did cut back on the session. So there's more networking time. So the people who show up, especially the new ones, will get a chance to uh, interact and connect with, with the leading retailers and manufacturers. And um I'm, I'm really happy we cut back on some of that. We made more time available. Uh, we have a couple of receptions. We want everyone to feel comfortable. We've taken some extra steps on the safety protocols, Scott. Yep. Um, we'll be checking to make sure everyone's either vaccinated or negative test. Lots of sanitizers around the room. We've got uh, a mask mandate still in place. 
But um, it's really about sharing. It's really about networking. It's really about, I believe every member of the RLA is a vetted company. They wouldn't spend the money to be in an association. And as you know, and I've said this several times on my LinkedIn posts, um, you know, I, I'm not, this isn't my baby exactly. I have the honor and privilege of serving as the executive director mm. for the industry. That's what matters first and foremost. And we have a heavy responsibility, Scott. I am so lucky to have a supply chain now as a voice of the industry as well, mm. because we're the only voice as an association in the world. And that's, that's nice but it's also a heavy responsibility. And you Important. know, I take it serious, right? It's just, we, we need more voices. We, we need to tell the world there's so much more we can do right. to reduce the waste, the landfills. And there's so much we can do to make consumers happy, happier right. with stuff. It really comes down to that. Um, and I can't beat that drum hard enough, right? <laughs> Scott, I've done it for now a lot of years. <laughs> I can't stop beating that drum. Well, uh, we, we, gotta, we gotta keep beating it. Uh, while we yep. make progress and, and, you know, we can't just keep reacting to uh, the returns game and, and moving the returns and, and um, in the status quo, I love how, you know, when you hear the best practices, oftentimes uh, some folks may think about kind of what's been established. Right. But what I love, what I, what I'm uh, here a lot of times at, um, at the conference and our conversations is these new things that like kind of like the best buy example, these new things where folks are reinventing so they can move upstream to your point to make to make customers happy and to also lessen the likelihood of returns. We have less of a huge challenge uh, to disposition um, at the end of the day. So, Tony, keep fighting a good fight. We're delighted to continue our uh, couple of years worth of uh, working and collaborating together and helping as you bang that drum. We want to amplify it. Right. Uh, yes. The space needs it. The thought leadership within the space needs it. More folks need to understand. I would argue more consumers need to understand of how their actions, their daily actions even, impacts the challenge that we have collectively. And yep. that's a big part of the battle, right? Absolutely. And Scott, I, I, this is that time of the year, Scott, where every news station and news journalist suddenly calls us up and they want to talk about returns, holiday returns. But I do want to give a plug to Alexi Horowitz from NPR, from Planet Money. He did a phenomenal in-depth story about the treasure hunt approach to what happens with these returns that show up in these bin stores and people go crazy. It's like a feeding <laughs> frenzy. It's a great story. Um, it's on our website. I also want to give another teaser, Scott, to our conference. Now, this is going to eliminate a lot of the attendees, but Becca Mines will be there. She will be speaking to the women's luncheon. And unfortunately, you got to be one of that tribe to get into that room. Um, those of us who uh, would like to can't, if you're lucky, you might see her out on the floor and get to say hello. Uh, but to any of the women that are listening to the Supply Chain Now podcast, um, please go up to Becca, tell her how great a job she did. You heard she did a great job at NRF. And tell her that Scott and Tony talked about her endlessly on the podcast. It'll Ab it'll it'll get her. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, we look forward to that. I, I look forward to hearing um, and being a part of everything that's going to be taking place at Vegas. Tony, how can folks connect with you and the RLA? You know, Scott, the responsibility of being an association for its members means we share everything. And if you go to our website, rla.org, rla.org, you will see a conference page that will tell you all of the speakers, the schedule every day, including we're doing that uh, charity golf outing on Sunday evening, Scott. Um, I'm going to go there. I'm not even going to pretend to play golf, but it's <laughs> top golf. It's indoors. So it's a small, intimate 75 people. Uh, Julie Ryan from HP is one of the hosts. Tevin Taylor from FedEx, another one of the hosts, FedEx Supply Chain. So that'll be a nice, intimate event. We're asking extra money for charity for that one. We give it to cell phones for soldiers. I am so proud, Scott. Two years ago, we did mm. this. This year, our check will be 50% bigger already wow. to them. 
So I really want to emphasize that part of the schedule. You go down and you'll see the exhibitors and the sponsors, maybe less interested in that, but the attendee list is posted. Mm. We actually provide the attendee list so you can see the, uh, it's over 400 names already. You'll see the company and their title. And we've got people coming from Europe, Scott. We've got people coming from the UK, from Germany, from Israel, very proud that there's some adventurous world travelers who know this is the only big event out there and they're coming for it. So mm. uh, you can see the attendees. And of course, the Mirage, Scott, you stayed there. You know, it's a nice venue, very nice venue. That's right. And unbelievable room rates. They're starting at like $68 a night in Vegas. Wow. So well, um, a come lot out. of good stuff. Yep. That's right. Come out, learn how companies are changing the game. When it yep. comes to returns and reverse logistics, come out and connect with, of course, Tony and the whole RLA team, first class team, um, a great ecosystem and community of thought leadership y'all have. And hey, while you're here, you can get a card game and take in this Beatles show, which is just, if you hadn't seen it, it is remarkable. So heck of a time, RLA.org. We'll make sure the link is in the show notes of the of this podcast. Tony. Really appreciate your time here today. Always a pleasure. Uh, I look forward to uh, a slew of interviews that we're going to be conducting there uh, in Vegas. But as we continue, again, this reverse logistics leadership series here at Supply Now, thanks so much, Tony. And thank you, Scott. Again, great to have another voice of the industry in supply chain now. You bet. You bet. The one and only Tony Shirota, Executive Director with the Reverse Logistics Association. Folks, uh, hey, connect with Tony. Be sure to connect with Tony on LinkedIn. We'll have that link uh, in the show notes as well. I'll tell you, he can sit down and just ad hoc tell you what you need to know about what's going on across the reverse logistics world. And he's one heck of a personality along with it. Good, great friend of the show. Um, if you like conversations like this, be sure to find us at supplychainnow.com. You can find Supply Chain Now wherever you get your podcast. Don't miss a show, so subscribe. Um, but most importantly, folks, hey, be like Tony Schroeder. You got to do good. Give forward, be the change, right? Change that status quo. And with all that said, we'll see you next time right back here at Sabacha Now. Thanks, everybody. All right. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.